You know, name tags, uh, they're an easy way for us to remember names. That's what they're used for. You know, if you, if you have a company or you, you ever go to a convention or something, that's usually what's at the door, you know, a name tag, so that it makes us look smart, right? It's like, ah, hello, uh, Tony or Mary, and then they come around. I forget names like that, so don't get offended when I forget your name. But with a name tag, you know, I can look at it. And uh, So what I want to see in this series is that name tags not always tell who we are inside at that particular time. You might have, hello, my name is Ramon, but, you know, really, my name tag should say, hello, my name is Insecure. My name is ashamed. My name is scared. My name is whatever, you know, you're going to. Most of the time, uh, we live wearing a name tag that doesn't really describe who we are inside, you know, at that particular moment. And you know how life changes from day to day. One day we're here, one day we're over here. But most of the time, we wear a name tag that doesn't describe what we are at that particular moment. Now, you know, we could be, you know, looking for something, seeking for something, uh, hiding from one another, hiding from something. So what I want to ask us to ask ourselves through this, through this series is these questions. You know, why do I make the choices that I make? Why, why do I do the things that I do? Why, why do I hide from th certain things? Why do I try to ignore certain things? And I think I can speak for everybody in this room when I say that none of us set out to mess up our lives, do we? We don't get up every day and say, you know, my goal is to throw my whole life down the tube. We don't do that. You know, my goal is to say I do to these vows, but I know in the back of my head, this thing's got two or three years tops, and it'll be over, and then I'll get another one, right? Nobody, maybe that's your story, but that's not what you plan to do, right? I hope not, right? Because that's not what we do. That's not what we do. You know, my goal is to run all my credit cards to their limit, and then I'm going to file for bankruptcy. That is my financial, uh, you know, future. What about yours, right? My goal is to be an addict. My goal is to be, to get arrested. My goal is to go on this journey called life and completely, completely, get lost. It's not what we plan for, but sometimes things change, don't they? Along the journey, things change. But by the time that we realize our whole world could be completely destroyed or on its way to get destroyed. Have you, have you ever asked yourself this question, what am I doing here you know, not here in this building. What am I doing here at this point in my life? How did I get here? And you know, we all have different answers for that. But if, if here for us is not a really good place, our answer usually is, well, I didn't get here all at once. You know, I got here a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time. This little thing happened. This other little thing happened. By the time I knew it, I'm here, you know. You know, the little things that at first, they, uh, they seem so insignificant. They don't seem like a big deal. But after a while, they start stacking up. 
and they start stacking up on top of each other. And everything in our lives kind of gets different. Now, I'm going to show you a slide right here. And, oh, they put it on too early. That's all right. But look at this slide. Now, I want you guys to lighten up, okay? Lighten up a little bit. This is a third grader's essay. Now, the essay was supposed to be on horses. This is a prime example of how simple mistakes like missing letters could be very misunderstood. And if not taken lightly or with humor, you know, uh, it can get a little bit offensive. So lighten up, okay? L look at this. I like horse. Uh, <laughs> whores have other whores friends. I like the way he spells friends. Whores like carrots. This is funny, man. You wouldn't think they could, but they could put, <laughs> they could put their legs straight up. Whores make you feel good. My dad wants a whore, but, but my mom says no. When I'm 16 or 20, I will buy my own horse. <laughs> that, when I read that, that was hilarious. Now, you know, come back here. Um, you know, you could, you could say, well, you know, it's understandable. It's from a third grader, right? You know, we know that he or she meant that, you know, this and that. And if you can add or subtract or, or put letters in, you can see what they were trying to say, right? Yes, it is. But the truth is, something very different was said, right? And listen, I use this example for two reasons. One of them is because it's just funny. It's just a funny thing. If you go to this website, there's Tons of them were, you know, kindergartens or whatever, they write this. And maybe, I don't know, maybe some of you just needed to laugh. You know, you've been having that kind of day, that kind of week, that kind of month, and you just needed a good laugh. So there you go. You can go home if you want to right now. I won't get offended if you work out. Um, but uh, the second example, or the second reason I use it is because a lot of us end up uh, in not so good places with others or with God, because of small, no big deal, insignificant things that get switched around. Something gets switched around, right? And you know, if you isolate that particular incident, it's not a big deal. It's not really big. But when things get switched around and mixed up, and a lot of these little things, insignificant situations get piled up on top of each other, now things are a mess. Now things are a mess in our lives. Now, let me try to, try, try to tie this whole thing to a Bible story, you know, instead of trying to tie it to the third grade pornography that we just read here. Um, in the book of Genesis, we're going to look at two people, Adam and Eve. You've heard of them probably. And how they were, you know, wearing name tags that really didn't say who they were and how they tried to hide it from God and the consequences from, from that, from trying to hide from God. And listen, I, I don't, I don't want to be close-minded this morning and just assume that because you're here in church that, um, that you believe everything I believe and that you believe how I believe. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you don't even believe this story that we're about to read is real. You might think that it's a fictional, it's a metaphor, but whatever it is, that's okay. You know, that's, that's all right. I'm not here to tell you how to believe and what to believe. But now, I believe it's true. I believe that it happened, all right? So for the next few minutes, let's just all get on the same page. And could I ask you just to put whatever thoughts you have aside and for a little bit, ask God, hey, God, 
how, you know, could you teach me something about me, about my life, whether this story is real or not? I want to know if I'm wearing a name tag that really doesn't say who I am inside today. Okay? So, God has created the heavens and the earth. I mean, he created trees and animals and stars and moons and suns, the whole thing, you know. And then he created two people, Adam and Eve. So that, in a nutshell, is like chapters one and two. Then we go into chapter three, and chapter three starts reading like this. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? So time out here. Right about now, it's a good time to say, see, that's why I don't go to church. Are you kidding me? A talking snake? I mean, what is this? Sesame Street or what? You know, yeah. And, and I've been involved in church work for the majority of my life, my whole life, if I may say. And I totally understand where you're coming from. I don't know. I don't understand it either. Snakes don't talk, right? They don't. I've, haven't, I've never seen one talk. But again, let's put ourselves back in this, uh, in this tra train of mind and, and let's put together aside all the things that we might think. And if we keep reading, we find out that later it was Satan who had taken the form of a snake and was trying to do what he does always. He always tries to overthrow everything that God does. So, we need to realize that no one, no one can hurt God, including Satan. Nobody can hurt him. So, what he, Satan, has to do is try to destroy the things that he, God, loves. So, he tries it and he tries it every single day with you and with me. Now, when I'm talking about Satan, he's not the guy in the red suit, you know, the Pointy long tail, the pitchfork, the horns. That's Loteria, right? You can imagine him like that when you play that. But what I'm talking about is the real, this real spiritual being that comes and attacks us on a daily, daily basis. One of his biggest weapons is deception, lying. He will do whatever it takes to do that. Like changing his appearance to something he knows you and I like. And listen. If you love steak, he's not coming to you as a chicken nugget. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? He comes to you with whatever tempts you. Because whatever tempts you might not tempt me. Whatever tempts me might not tempt you. So he's crafty. He knows what he's doing. You know? So one time Jesus is talking to a group of religious leaders. these hypocrites. They were caught lying. And he's talking to them in the book of John chapter 8. He says, you belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. For there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar and the father of lies. Now, hold on here. Hold on to what I'm going to tell you, okay? The devil... Satan, evil, el cucuy, whatever you call him, you know, when he speaks to you, it's always, always, always a lie. There's no option here. It's always a lie. But here's the thing. There is some truth to what he says to you, just enough to grab our attention, 
to tempt us in the things that we like. There's just enough truth to get us to say, huh? Right? To get our attention. We need to understand this today. Partial truth is the same as a lie. It's the same. The same as a lie. Whatever he tells us, as good as it may sound, his agenda is to destroy us relationally, spiritually, and physically. So back to our story, okay? Come back to the story. Genesis chapter 3. Let's read the verse again because I kind of got distracted here a little bit. The serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did he really say you must not eat from the tree in the garden? He's telling Eve, come on now. Did he really say that? Any tree? You know, one of his specialties is to try to make us question what we believe. You know, when we feel God is telling us something, and then that voice inside goes, really? That's what you think God is telling you? Now, did God really tell you that? Is that really in the Bible? You ever heard that voice inside of you? Well, I don't know. That's what the guy at church said, you know? So we like, I don't know, but I think that's what he says. So he tries to throw off what we already believe. Now, he might throw stuff at you like, I mean, how can a loving God let an earthquake destroy a whole village? I mean, how can a loving God, you know, let people go hungry? How can a loving God create you this way and then send you to hell for it? How can he do that? And he starts messing with all these things in your head. See, if Satan can get us to start thinking like that, trying to figure out everything that happens, he's got us. He's done his job. We are now in total question mode, trying to figure out a way to prove that God is wrong. When we should be in total question mode, trying to figure out how can I get to know God better. But he's twisted our head and we start going into total, total trying to prove what God is doing is wrong. Another one of his weapons is misquoting God. Satan asked Eve, now come on. Did he really say, you can't eat from any tree? And no, that's not what he said. God is not anti-tree, you know. God is not anti-money or anti-fun, you know. He's not. But sometimes we make him feel like that. If it feels good, we start saying, if it feels good and you're enjoying it, stop it. You're a Christian for crying out loud. You're not supposed to enjoy yourself, right? You should know better. We start thinking these things. You hear, you hear this, you hear is, uh, this thing, God, you know, God gave only one rule about one tree, and that was it. That was it. He didn't say anything else. But Satan took the opportunity to twist that to make God look like a party pooper, you know? Like a God who is constantly saying to us, stop it. Stop it. I don't want you to enjoy yourself. If Satan can get you to believe that, then you'll sit in places like this and listen to guys like me or the pastor. They get up here and they, they speak to you and try to make you understand things and say, you know, I don't know if I want to follow this God because I don't know if he really wants me to enjoy myself. I don't know if he wants me to, to live out my life. I think he just wants to manipulate me. You start believing all those things that Satan starts revolutionizing and tumbling inside of your head. Verse 2 says, Then the woman, or the woman said to the serpent, 
We may eat from the fruit of the trees in the garden. But he did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden, which is true. This is true. This is what God told them. And she should have just stopped there, period. See ya. You know, but for some reason, she felt she had to keep talking. And she had to, you know, explain. And she says, you know, I don't know. I don't think God said this, but I think this is what he meant. Then the little rest of the part of the verse says, and you must not touch it or you will die. Which is only half truth when he, she said that. Because God said they would die if they would eat from it. He did say that. She added the touching part to that. In, in other words, she put words in God's mouth. And isn't that one of the biggest problems in our, in our churches today? People putting words in God's mouth, thinking of God, what God should have said, or how, she, how God should have said. And so, so many people have been hurt, have been damaged because of it. And they will never, never set foot in a church again. Now you tell me, is that the way to fulfill the great commission that he sent us? I don't know. Verse 4. He says, you will not certainly die. This is Satan talking. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. Satan is saying, listen, you won't die. God don't care about you. But honey, I do. I care about you. And, and I, you know, let me tell you what will happen if you eat from the tree. Verse 5. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, here's the thing. He's telling her the truth. Kind of. Your eyes will be open. Yeah, they will. You'll have knowledge and experience of an absolute good, which, by the way, she already had that. She lived in paradise, for crying out loud, right? How better can it get, right? But also, now your eyes will be open, and you'll experience total evil. And by the way, something he left out. Once you experience this kind of evil, the kind that Satan was talking about, you can never go back to this kind of good the kind God had given to them for free. You can't. Once you do something that violates your innocence, you can't get it back. You can't get it back. It kills you. He kind of leaves that part out. He doesn't say that. Hey, Eve, he's telling her, you know, you know this life that, that God has made you think that it's the best? You know that name tag that says, hello, my name is Eve, and I'm happy in paradise. That's not really the best life you can have. Let me show you a better one. You can be like God. You can take control of your life. I mean, Eve's like, I mean, that, yeah, that, that sounds pretty good. That sounds pretty good. Now, we can't judge her because we all do the same thing, don't we? I mean, by the time we're 11, 12 years old, we want to be independent. We want to do our own thing, right? We want to take control of our lives. Girls, you know, they want to start wearing makeup. They want to start dating. You know, guys want to start driving. They want to do whatever we, you know, whatever we want since we were that age. We want 
to do that. We can't wait until we take control of our lives. Who doesn't want to do that? Eve did. We all do. I did. You did. We all do, right? Because it's kind of like a, a natural thing. Verse 6, he keeps going. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eyes and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Now, hold on here. Where was the man? Right with her. Right there. Now, we grew up, a lot of us grew up thinking that, you know, Adam was out there somewhere doing what a good man he was created to be was. You know, he was working the ground and toiling the soil. He was taking care of the animals, you know, naming them and, and cutting the weeds in the garden. And then Eve, seductive Eve, came and seduced them and gave him a bite of the fruit. And then he ate it. You're right. He was right there next to her. Oh, yeah. Oh, y'all have some. Sorry, guys. He was right there, right next to her, watching everything happen. So why? Why is Satan so interested in changing their name tag? Why did Adam and Eve take the offer? Well, you know, someone offers you a better thing, an improvement to what you have. Yeah, we're going to take it. It's going to make us better, wiser. Yeah, I'm going to take a risk. I'm going to take it. You know, we're going to take, we're going to take it. Who wants to miss out on that? And remember the lie. They believed that God was really not all that good. And he didn't want to share everything he had. And he made them believe that. So they're believing this. They're, giving, they're getting an offer of a better life. Yeah, they're going to take it. So they decide to take matters into their own hands. Verse 7. And the eyes of both of them were open, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. See, Satan told them a spiritual, a partial truth. Your eyes will be open. He just didn't tell them what that was going to look like, what they were going to experience when that happened. Because now, nothing looked the same anymore. It was different. They became Conscious of their surroundings. They became exposed. They became vulnerable. Like this wave of insecurity came upon them. And it was like, a, oh no. Do I really look like this? Do you like the way I look? I mean, uh, is this right? Is, is this wrong? Should I do this? Should I not? I don't know. I, I feel like I got to cover myself. This insecurity that they had never felt came upon them. They were looking for independence. They were looking for control. What they got was fear, shame, embarrassment. Now, doesn't that describe some of our stories sometimes? None of us, like I said earlier, none of us set out to mess up our lives. We were looking for something good. We were looking for something better. We were sure that if we got this and, and if we got that and if I slept with him and I slept with her that, and if I got that, that it would be better. But the second that we did that and oh no, what have I done moment came over us and we were exposed 
We, our eyes were open. You ever been there? Yeah. It didn't get better. It got worse. It got worse. And listen, it's not over for Adam and Eve. Verse 8. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God. And he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord for God, for, from, from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. See, before there was no fear. Before there was no shame. Before there was no hiding. God would come out and he would find them with either by a tree eating some kind of fruit, toiling the soil, uh, you know, naming or doing stuff with the animals. It was just a normal thing. But things had changed now. Things were different. Verse 9. But the Lord called to the man, where are you? He answered, well, I heard you in the garden, but, you know, I was afraid because, well, because I was naked, so I hid. And God says, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Now, okay, here, time out. Did God know where they were? Of course. I mean, he wasn't going around asking the animals, hey, guys, you seen two naked people walking around here? I thought, I just seen them right now. They, they were here. Have you seen them, right? I mean, did God know where, what they had done? Yes, absolutely. So why the question game? Why the questions? Well, because he's doing with them the same thing he does with us. I know what you did. And I'm giving you a chance to come clean. To come back. Because really, God could have just said, hey, you too. Who us? Yeah, you too, the naked ones. I saw what you did. Get out. Get out. I can get two naked people like that, man. Anywhere. You, I don't need you. Get out. I've seen what you did. Get out. But you know what? A lot of people, they think and they feel that that's the way God works. I saw what you did. Get out. Get out. So Adam and Eve, they start playing the blame game, right? Verse 12 says, the man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. It's her fault. She gave me the fruit or maybe better yet, God, it's your fault because you gave her to me. And I don't recall ever asking you to give her to me. So it's your fault. Whatever it is, it is not my fault. You know, the blame game. The blame game that we all play. Well, you know, she shouldn't have been wearing that. You know, I'm a guy. She should have known better. You know, if my parents would have been better parents, right? Maybe it would have been different. If my kids would only do what they're supposed to do. If God would have just fixed this, he could have stopped it. But if he, he didn't want to, so maybe it's on him. Because he could have stopped me before I did whatever it is that I did. The blame game. Verse 13. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, well, the serpent deceived me. And I ate the old cliche, right? 
Well, the devil made me do it. Listen, if you're still hanging on to that when you've seen one too many horror flicks, because the devil cannot make you or I do anything. He can't make us do nothing. I mean, he can deceive us. He can lie to us. He can give us a partial truth and stuff. But it's our choice whether we do it or not. It's our choice. So what is up with this name tag game we play, right? We all play it. Pretending to be someone we're not. Hello, my name is Success. Hello, uh, my name is Confidence. My name is Sure of Myself. Right? We walk into a room and it just lights up. None of us woke up today saying, I think I'm going to wear a name tag that says, Hello, my name is Shane. Because you should see the things I've done. My name is Failure. My name is Doubt. Because I wake up and I doubt. I don't know if, if I love this person anymore. I don't know if I can stay in this relationship anymore. I have doubt in my head. I don't know if I really know this God that I've claimed to know him for years. We're not out there looking for that stuff. But doesn't it seem that some days that stuff is looking for us? It's just everywhere we turn, we find these things that are trying to destroy us and deceive us. Hey, man. You know, try this, try that. Yeah, yeah, I know it goes against your belief and against your moral values, but it'll give you more opportunity to better your life. And it might be true, but it's just partially true. And I mean, there's nothing wrong with wanting to get better, right? There's nothing wrong with trying to better our lives. I'm looking for a better life. You're looking for a better life. We all are. That's why, that's why we go to school, right? That's why we go to work every single day. You know, that's why we choose the things we choose because we're convinced that if we keep doing the things that we're doing, that they're going to lead us to a better way of living. And there's nothing wrong with that. But then sometimes God shows up and he says, hey, I know you're trying to better your life and that's all right and all, but can I have some part in that pursuit? That you're trying to pursue a better life? Can I have a part of it? Do you want to follow me? And I'll show you a better life. A better way of living. And listen. He's not saying that it's always going to be good. And it's always going to be fun. He's not even saying that it's always going to make sense. Because sometimes it doesn't make sense. He's just saying it's going to be better. It'll just be better. See God always, always. My experience with God. Is that he always puts two deals on the table. He puts his way of doing life, and this is your way of doing life. We choose. Which one do you want? Which one do you want? There's this one, and there's that one. Let me, I'm going to divide you in three groups this morning. Don't freak out. I'm not going to have you move or nothing. Because I know that's your chair. You can't move. You know, that's your chair. You chit. Anyways, group number one. You are the people. We went with God's ways. We took God's deal, right? We trusted God with everything. It's not been easy. We haven't been perfect, but we're still going at it. We're giving it our all every single day of our life. That's group number one. Group number two, you also took God's deal, like group number one. But you've been kind of second-guessing yourself. Did I make the right choice? You're comparing this deal with the other deal, 
And you're going, this isn't all I thought it was going to be. This is actually harder, tougher to live out, right, than the other deal. And here's what's going through your head. I mean, you won't admit it, but these are the thoughts that are going through your head. Some of my friends, they took the other deal. And they're doing all right. They didn't take deal number one. And they're doing fine. I mean, I thought they were, something was going to happen to them. Like they were going to start stuttering or they were going to go blind or something. But they're fine. They're fine. They're not divorced. They're not in prison. They're not addicted. They didn't take the deal, God's deal. And they're fine. And you're there. And then group number three, you're the ones who didn't take God's deal from the beginning. And today you might be realizing maybe, maybe it wasn't that good of a choice, you know. So pretty much every church is made up of these three groups. We're all mixed in together. And sometimes we jump from one group to the other. And sometimes we stay in this group longer than the other group. But we're all in this thing called life together. And see, the bad thing is that instead of putting on a name tag that says how we really feel inside, we're wearing one that says, hey, hello, my name is Ramon. Nice to meet you, right? And pretend that everything's all right. We know inside that we should be wearing one that says, hey, hello, my name is, my name is Shane. Because I, I did something that I shouldn't have done. Nobody saw me, but, but he did. That voice inside of us is saying, you know that what you did was wrong, which is true. You know that there's consequences for what you did, and which is true. But if that voice inside stops there, it's a partial truth. And remember, partial truth is the same as a lie. And more than likely, that voice that you're hearing inside is from the father of lies, Satan. He's telling you, listen, you've messed up. You can't really go back to how you were. I mean, you went too far. Even for God, you went too far. See, because the message of Jesus is not, you better behave. You better do right or you're out. You're out. I'm watching you. I'm watching you every single second of your life. The message of Jesus is no matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how many times you've done it. There is love and there is forgiveness. And you can come back. You can come back. A lot of the times, he might hit you with some questions. Where you been? Oh, I, well, you know, I was hiding God because, um, you know, um, well, I'm ashamed of what I did. See, you don't have to hide. You don't have to wear a name tag that says, hello, my name is Shane, and I can't believe what I did. But I put a front, but inside and, and behind that front, there's this insecure person. There's this vulnerable person. There's this person that feels naked and that everybody's looking at me. And I felt like I just needed to cover myself. And sometimes the cover is you, you kind of seclude yourself and you disappear for a while because you don't want anybody to question you. Hey, where you been? You don't want that. See, if you finish reading the story, God tells them that there's going to be consequences of what they did. There's going to be pain. There's going to be sorrow. There's going to be death consequences 
that the human race is still experiences. We're still experiencing the consequences of that sin. And we'll experience that until the day we leave this earth. That's just the consequences of sin. Because they chose wrong. That is called being disconnected, being lost. And we are all disconnected and lost. If we take our eyes off of Jesus, we get lost like that. It's a natural thing. Our natural tendency, our human sinful nature always gravitates to go away from God. So we always have to keep our eyes focused on Jesus. The second we do it, we gravitate, we get disconnected, we get lost. But I love it that immediately after that incident... Immediately when they were sent out of the garden and they were having to do everything they do that sin produced, immediately after that, God put a plan in motion to be found. They were lost, but God immediately put a plan to be able to find them and bring them back. A plan that was going to cost them everything, everything he had, his only son, Jesus Christ. But it was going to allow, that plan was going to allow for our past, our present, and our future mistakes not to define us, not to define who we are. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever, that's us, believes in him, shall not perish, but have eternal life. You know what that is? That is our name tag. That is our name tag that we wear. Hello, my name is whosoever. And I will not perish, but I will have eternal life. Whatever I've done, when we come back to Jesus, I am a whosoever. I'm a whosoever. See, we should be wearing one that says, hello, my name is liar. My name is cheater. My name is backstabber. My name is gossip. My name is failure. But because of Jesus and what he did on the cross, I can wear one with pride and with confidence that says, hey, hello, my name is Raymond. Nice to meet you. See, God is a God of Second and third and fourth and fifth and I don't know how many chances. And I'm so glad that he has that name tag for me. When he died on the cross, every single drop of blood that he was shedding from the time they started beating him to the time he gave his last breath, it was for me. It was for me. And that... I've been following Jesus all my life, and I still cannot put that in my head. That he was thinking about me when he was doing that. He was thinking about the things he knew I was going to do, yet still he did it. I mean, that, that's just overwhelming. That's just mind-boggling. I, I tried, I've stopped trying to understand it because I can't. But one thing I do know that I can wear with pride and with confidence who I am in Christ. I'm a whosoever. And every single day I wake up, and when I open my eyes, 
I'm not telling that I kneel next to my bed and start praying. But in the process of starting my day, I'm like, hey, I'm alive again. Thank you, God. And thank you, God, because you still love me. Even though last night or even though last weekend I wasn't that lovable, but you still love me. I don't know if you've been wearing a name tag. And I don't know what name that name tag has. But listen, I hope that through this series you can realize that our name tag has been written. You are a whosoever. You are a whosoever. And he gave his only son so that whoever, whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life.